All right, guys, how are you doing? I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am super, super excited today because I have a very special first-time guest. Veda Austin is with us today, and we are continuing the conversation about water and consciousness. I say continue because we had Jenny Constantine on earlier talking about the primary waters and the mysteries of the primary waters. And I myself have been looking into this water thing for several years, um, not to the level that Miss Beta has, but oh my goodness, when I found her, I was just like, OMG, she completely took uh, Emoto's work like way beyond anything I've ever looked at before. And so I'm really, really excited about that. Um, before we get started, I just want to remind you guys, um, hit the subscribe, make sure that you are getting notifications so you're fully aware of what other um, topics we have coming up and different guests we have and shows, um, as well as you can go to swiftfire.org um, or drshornell.com. You can see my books there, my classes, all the previous interviews, all the future inter interviews you can get on the newsletter. Um, I do biofeedback work, remote, and you know all the other frequency things there as well. So um, just definitely check that out when you get a chance. And without further ado, Miss Beta, how are you doing today? I'm doing so great. Thank you so much for having me today. Awesome. Well, I know you were just here in the States a little bit ago, and I know you have different workshops, which I've got a few of these, and I'm just following your Instagram and some of your Facebook, and how in the world did you even get into this whole water discovery thing, and tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, um, I was very curious whether or not water could really store information and share it. Because you you see certain people's work, like Emoto's work, um, but there were a couple of other people who really inspired me to begin my my own quest to see whether water really could store memory or have this ability to store information. So I saw Emoto's work, and you know, although he wasn't embraced by the scientific community because he openly shared that he cherry-picked the photos to show what they were best, um, what he was trying to say is that water is sensitive, sensitive to thoughts and words and environment and crystallographically changes with um, emotions of love compared to emotions of hate, for example. And his work was extremely visual. But even though the scientific community didn't embrace him because of that, his work reached far and wide. And he really opened the door for people to see themselves as sensitive bodies of water. And that's such an important piece. Uh, and his work, you know, really opened the hearts and minds of so many people. And then the person who inspired me probably the most, actually, um, was a man by the name or is a man by the name of Laurent Costa. He's a French microscopic photographer, and he was taking photographs uh, of water in a similar way to a moto, except that he wasn't experimenting. There was no part of him that ever wanted to experiment on water because he considered water to be alive and a living kind of uh, spiritual teacher, if you will. And so he would remain as much of the observer as he could. And sometimes, though, he would smile at the, the water before he would flash freeze it and photograph it in a, um, under a microscope. And the images that he got, some were similar, like geometries, like a moto, but 
what really grasped me were that he was getting images of smiley faces. He was getting images of hearts, of fish, and this is microscopic. And so when you see these little smiley faces smiling back at you, your immediate response is to smile back. And it makes you feel something kind of different. So there's quite a big difference between art and geometries. Now, obviously, geometries make up the universe and we have sacred geometry and all of these things. But this, this idea of art is a very, very um, complex and beautiful one. You go back and you look at cave paintings. That was a way in which people were able to share concepts, not just one word, but, but many words in a picture share a concept. And so it, this idea of smiley faces and hearts, they're relaying a response. They're relaying in a, a human response in many ways. And so that was really, really interesting to me. And I really adore his work. The third person was a man by the name of Thomas Hieronymus, and Thomas was a radionic engineer. And the more you read about him, the, the more you start to realize what a genius he really was. Anyway, he went into a Parisian meat market on a very, very cold day, and he observed that the freshly placed organs of an animal appeared to be affecting the way the, way the frost froze on the glass behind where they were placed. For example, the frost would freeze into the shape of a liver organ above a liver organ and so on and so forth. And so he had this hypothesis that there seemed to be some kind of life force energy still emanating out of the organs, even though they were no longer attached to an animal. And he put that down to there being water in the blood. And there is such a thing as sonic signatures. So each organ has a sonic signature, kind of like a cymatic imprint that has information for the form and function of the organ. So because it was a very cold day and the water in the blood was transitioning out, so it was starting to slowly, slowly evaporate. So there is this kind of in-between stage before blood gets very kind of coagulated where there's an information exchange and so the information he was saying was being shared to the water in the air and the water in the air was very cold when it hit the glass it took that shape um, and form of the information the sonic signature of the water so I put all of this together and what excited me about his work was that he was or his observations he was seeing it with his naked eye and even Rudolf Steiner says observe the frost patterns that form on the window of a butcher's um, shop compared to that of a florist's. And they'll see they're very different because they're energetically picking up on the information that's held in the silica of the glass, which is why I use glass Petri dishes because glass is mostly silica. Silica is a crystal, crystal store information, and they help water to store information for longer. So I wanted to see if water could store information and so at all the, I've been doing this for 10 years, but back then I didn't have a microscope. So I'm a water researcher. And as we are all very multifaceted, I'm also an artist. So I am, have been a professional artist for many years doing big oil on canvas paintings. So I see the world through an artistic lens, but I, I enjoy science as well. So I like to see an overlay of science, art, and consciousness. So I got a glass Petri dish because I was using it for something else I was doing. 
I put some water in it, some spring water, because I'd had a healing experience with water, which also got me into this. So that's uh, a, a, another whole kind of longer story. Um, and so I was thinking, well, I'm just going to project a thought into the water and stick it in my freezer, because the secret seemed to be in the freezing where the unseen became seen, because everyone was seeing things as the water was turning into ice. And so... I was holding my dish of water and I saw a little bit of fluff floating around in there. So I was like, oh my God, before I'd even had a chance to think anything. So I put my hand in to take out the fluff, consciously thinking, I wonder if my hand will have any impact on the water's memory. I didn't know if that was a real thing. I still don't know if it's the correct terminology really either. So I, I, I thought, well, that thought will do, you know, I because I was thinking, will this Will this bit of fluff, will my hand that I that I put in there to pull out the fluff out, will that impact the water's memory? So put it into the freezer, forgot about it. Had zero attachment to the outcome, honestly. A few hours later, came out, I thought, oh, let's see what's happening. Took it out, held it up to the light and took my very first photo, the first of over 40,000 photos of water sharing the most incredible intelligent responses, not just reactions. And we can get more into that later. What I saw was an, was an imprint of a hand in the ice. It took up half the dish. So it was basically my Petri dishes are practically the same size as my hand. It was half of the size of that. So quite large macroscopically. It looked like the x-ray of a hand. I showed my son just to make sure I wasn't seeing things. And I said, what does this look like to you? And he said, it looks like a hand mum. Does look a little bit creepy because it does look like an x-ray of a hand, but undeniable hand. And then I thought, well, what water would be naturally informed without me having to do something? So I got some seawater and I tentatively waited outside of the freezer as I as I was waiting for it to freeze, thinking, you know, if something uh, that is relative to the ocean shows up, then maybe this isn't random. And when I did pull it out and took a photo, I photographed this image that was so clearly a fish with gills and an eye and fins and a tail and the shape of the body of the fish. And then really my freezer became my most used household appliance and I just kind of went crazy. But over, over the course of a year of seeing image after image after image and constantly playing with water rather than expecting it to do something, that's an absolute key. Like water is wild, but we treat it like it's not unless we're in the ocean. And it's interesting because water, water really responds very, very well to curiosity, but doesn't respond at all to um, this kind of an arrogance or anger or um, maybe a, a kind of an egotistical way of thinking or an expectation. So why it, it I'm not saying that it doesn't do anything, but it won't design any complex patterns or pictures in those energies. So it doesn't resonate at those frequencies, but it's not in judgment. So 
there's a lot more to it and I can certainly take you on a visual journey because I've discovered that water shows potentials of things but I want to talk quickly after a year of doing it completely just freezing water solid and seeing these images I became much more familiar with the fourth phase of water that my friend and colleague now um, Dr Jerry Pollack talks about it's the kind of water inside of ourselves but you can also find that kind of water in some uh, liquid waters. It absorbs more light, which was a, is a really interesting feature. Um, it, it has a slightly negative charge. Uh, it has well, it has a negative charge and a slightly more alkaline. It's slightly more alkaline. It's got an extra hydrogen, extra oxygen atom, so it's H three O two. But apart from all of that stuff, what's interesting about it is it can be discovered as water's freezing before it's a solid and as it's melting. So I started to open my freezer earlier and earlier to see at what stage the patterning started to actually occur. And I really found that around about five minutes and 20 seconds in my particular freezer, there was liquid on top and ice underneath. And I could see that there were patterns in the ice. So I pulled it out tipped the liquid water away and I found this incredible design in the liquid crystal that was sticking to the glass dish and so I started photographing that and that is my new technique. That timing is different for everybody's freezers, you know, the, the timing is different with different waters, but you can learn how to do it. And I discovered that water, if, if you will, entertain the idea, communicate I suppose in three ways art like um, you're going to see of mine, um, signature patterns. So there are four main signature patterns of water and they all are derived from the hexagon. The kind of blueprint of water is a hexagonal shape. I call it the, the star fern hexagon because it looks like a star with a fern coming off each leg and it forms the shape of a hexagon. And that is the kind of healthy imprint of water that you'll see from spring water, basically frozen within, within around about half an hour to 40 minutes. You'll see large, huge hexagons. Then you'll, you'll see in tap water, which is like the very, very end of that, um, tap water is very disordered. It's lots of lines and dots. Then you'll see uh, rainwater forms this kind of fanning pan with a curve. And then a filtered water, water that's gone through any filter, tends to form lines that have compressed together. So you see, and then you see variations of them all. Sometimes you see like uh, that the hexagon that has turned into a star shape and it's become much smaller. The longer water is held in a container the smaller those hexagonal patterns seem to um, change into. They kind of start to degrade, but they can improve as well with various different modalities with conscious expression. So I would suggest that one of the greatest things that water has taught me, I'm talking about tap water here, so most people give tap water a terrible rap and they say, oh, you don't want to drink that, and it's got all these you know, heavy metals and da, da 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 Well, I'm not talking about drinking it, but I'm talking about what it taught me. So when we look at an analysis of water, we are only reading what water holds. 
what do we know about water itself? That's like saying, taking a blood sample from someone and saying, I know everything there is to know about you. And so that was a very big question. It's like, well, what, what is water? If we're not looking at it only as the composition of what it's holding. And so when I was knowing the signature patterns of tap water, once I'd really kind of got that down, municipal tap water, I took some of that tap water, froze it, took a photo of the patterns, then let it melt. Then took that exact same tap water, held it to my to my heart lovingly for one minute, refroze it, and saw that it started to form these large ferns and it was crystallographically drastically improved. But it hadn't changed chemically. So what are we seeing? What is my crystallography actually showing us? Well, what we're seeing is that water is responding in what can only really be described in an emotional way. And I think that's a big deal. So there's a word in Maori for spirit, which means two waters, wairua. And it's the physical and spiritual waters. And I think that the stage that I freeze the water at, because water freezes in three stages, the stage that I'm I've just sharing where there's liquid on top and ice underneath, it's a very short stage. I think it's a spiritual stage. It's the stage of the spirit. The next stage is where there's two ice, kind of makes like an ice sandwich with liquid in between. I think of that as blood. And then once it's a completely frozen, that's where it is like the body. The body's hiding the blood and it's hiding the spirit. And so the interesting, there's lots of interesting things we can dive into and I can talk and talk without you having a chance to ask me anything. So I'll kind of stop at that because it can really just kind of go in any direction you want it to really. Yeah. I'm just like, poof, like this is just amazing. Um, and I know you have classes and you teach that. So I just want to remind people, if you go to her Instagram, she has a link there and has all her website information. And, you know, this is going to be, this is something we can all do and play around with. And, you know, I've, I've, I've very much, I'm a naturopath. And so I understand that, you know, the frequency of organs and the different things and how it projects into the field. And when I think about water being in us and also externally, I always have wondered about that communication, um, whether it's in plants or animals or actually just bodies of water. Um, and then, I mean, obviously it's, it's even in the air, you know, humidity and, you know, rain and all of that, you know, so, but yeah, I would love to see any pictures you have. I've seen a lot um, just from my own study and your, your imp information and trying to get your book. And I guess, that'll come around sooner or later um, with, with whatever happened, but yeah, feel free to show whatever you have here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just mention that the, the, the I, I hadn't talked about the third way. So there's the, the signature patterns, there's the art, and then there's something I call hydroglyphs. And a hydroglyph is a symbol in ice, which we, I'm actually going to share quite a bit about that in this. It's a symbol in ice that I that has been inspired by a word. And so um, Emoto used a lot of uh, music. And but the musics were very contrasting, like heavy metal and uh, classical music. So when my son saw that, 
he came to me and he said, I think water hates me. And I'm like, why? And he said, because I don't really like classical music and I'm not that much into heavy metal. And if a child can't identify with one or the other, they tend to assume the worst. And he said, I, I like rap. I like Tupac and Tupac squares. Then I think water hates me and the water in my body must hate me. I think it's really, really important to look at the, the issues sometimes with the really big contrasts that are shown, especially from the perspective of a child. And so when I saw that, I said, firstly, I'm pretty sure whoever did the heavy metal probably didn't like it. Secondly, water isn't in judgment. What, I, um, what I've observed is that water as the observer is the spiritual aspect of water and it's the highest highest higher aspect of it i wouldn't say necessarily say it's the highest but it's certainly one of the highest and what i why i said then i'll get into more as to why i say that in a minute because i it's in my my presentation but i wanted to show him that that water wasn't hating him because of his music choices and so i did I, I would set up, a, I set up a speaker, put my Petri dish of water beside the speaker, push play and leave the room for a bunch of different genres of music. And what was interesting was that what has appeared to like to pick up on a word, for example, how hydroglyphs began was because I was playing Stairway to Heaven. And I played that song multiple times and every single time without exception, there was the stairway image in the ice. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that means stairway. So I wrote the word stairway and I put my dish of water on top of it for 30 seconds. It's a number I like to give people. It's not too long. It's not too short. It's just, just a, you know, a number that seems good. Froze it using my technique, pulled it out and started photographing. Well, every time over the course of about four months, I played that song over 50 times and every time I saw the stairway glyph appear. And then I think I thought, well, 50 is not random. And the only time water wouldn't play with me was if I'd been having a very bad day and I was frustrated or I was annoyed or something, which doesn't happen very often. So it was, you know, a 99.9% .9 hit rate of getting these images. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I think that this is a symbol for the energy of the word stairway. Now, I'm not saying the word stairway. I'm saying the energy of the word stairway. Words have an energy. And what's interesting is I think it's water's observation of the energy of the word. And I say that because we've had We've had people from different countries write the same word and see the same symbol. We've had people think it and project it, we've, which, which doesn't work as well as the actual written word because they're projecting their own feeling with it. So the words seem very potent. So, um, so I have something like 35 hydroglyphs and we've discovered that they have layers of meaning because my inquiry went from that stairway glyph to what do you do with a stairway? So I, I wrote the words climb up and I kept seeing the stairway again and again and again and 50 times again. And then I wrote climb down and I didn't get it. So it was like, huh. So it's the only relative to climbing up. So I thought that was very curious. And there's 
there's so much more to them than we that we have yet to discover but when you see 64 in a group like I'm going to show you it, it really kind of takes your breath away so I've I've talked a little already about what I'm going to share now so that we have some context um, so hopefully that will be helpful so can you see where it says water memory and transference yes right. okay so this this is starting out with transference this idea that water can uh, something energy can be transferred to water so in the context of water transference is when there is a transfer of physical telepathic or energetic information through the liquid stage of water and this can be identified when a relative image forms in the ice, this is often called water memory. So, you know, explained about the hand. So that would be a relative image, an image relative to the influence. Now, this is an extremely important picture and so the following one too. So when I put a sunflower seed in the water and removed it, it designed the sunflower. So just like a computer, there must be information to extract and in in this case, the information of the sunflower seed was absorbed, dictating the potential within the seed. So I thought wow. that was like interesting. So then I wanted to do that for another kind of seed. So I used a flax seed, and this is the kind of flax that grows in New Zealand, but you're not seeing the kind of flax leaves. You're actually seeing the um, uh, this, the seeds, the flowers that grow. So it's showing you its ultimate potential for reproduction. So this is like fascinating. So when I put um, a pistachio shell with no information inside except for the shell, it showed the shell itself. It didn't show the, the actual pistachio tree. So the, the information wasn't in there. Hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. So this was so that there's a lot around this idea of potentials. I actually think water is constantly reading our potential because by not not I'm not talking about by volume, but by molecular count, we're 99% water. There are more water molecules in our bodies than stars in the Milky Way. Our eye lens is 99% water. We literally see the entire world through the lens of water. So this is a little bit about my uh, technique. So I mentioned the three stages of freezing, and this is what they look like. Over here, you'll see that there is ice here, but this is actually taken inside the freezer before I've taken the sample out. And it's actually, this part here is covered in water. So this is what this, you want to see. You want to see water and ice. Um, and so... This is that second stage, which is uh, which is not the stage I take my water out. This is just to so, show you the three stages of freezing. Once it's at this stage, it's over frozen, but it's where there's liquid in between two layers. And this is an over frozen sample. It's solid where you see lots of bubbles. So I look at my first year of freezing and I'm amazed that I got the imagery that I got knowing how water freezes. Now, why do I think this is a spiritual stage? Well, I think that because it's the stage of fourth phase water, it's literally this 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 uh, here is liquid crystal. It's pushed out all of the solate, so it's at the purest of the of of water there is. At this stage, there's two layers of ice, and that that top layer has a small amount of solates, but not many. 
all the solates, that's the total dissolved solids, the, um, you know, any heavy metals, all this kind of stuff, they're held in the last stage of freezing. And that's why you see that this is clouded because that's the water that when it freezes, it's holding all of those um, uh, various different things in the water and that makes it cloudy. So if you use completely distilled water, you get clear ice. So this is really, really interesting to know so that when we see this, that water is pushed and made this kind of ice, we're seeing it in its in its very in a very unique stage. So signature patterns, I mentioned what they were, so we're going to see what they look like. Here are the four main signature patterns. So this is the signature pattern of spring, fresh spring water. And this is that fern star hexagon I was talking about. This is the compacted um, lines of the filtered water. This rain has forms this kind of fanning pattern and tap water looks very disordered. So what happens though is that the star here, as it's, the water starts to degrade or as it starts to even move away from the mouth of a source, um, but particularly when it's been held in a bottle and particularly in plastic bottles. So pe when people are learning my technique and they've bought some spring water from the store and they wonder why they're not seeing these big large hexagons, it's because the water has been stored for quite some time. And so what happens though is this tight star in the middle starts to open up and it kind of sh shakes off the star, the ferns, and it eventually just creates one little hexagon and then that hexagon becomes a dot. The other next thing that happens is that when a, a fern is taken off, it just becomes one fern that becomes lines like this and that look like grasses and then that becomes a line. So then you're left with lines and dots, which is what municipal tap water is. Wow. Then um, there is the art of water. So these are some examples of my work. Um, the influence is on the right and the picture, the ice response is on the left. I use pictures a lot, um, but I use all kinds of inspirations. I don't tend to like the word influence, but people know what I mean when I'm saying it. Um, in many ways, I'm a lot like a moto in that I think of water for me too, as a spiritual teacher, I don't like to think I'm experimenting. I think I'm co-creating with water and that water is teaching me many things about itself. So, um, you know, that was, I'll just keep going. So, so that's, there are a lot more examples I'll give you and I'll show you my very first sample first, um, in a minute, but this is what a hydroglyph is, for example. This is the hydroglyph with the meaning of air, A-I-R. So it has, it takes up the whole dish. It looks like feathering. But what it really looks like to me is if you watch water when the wind is blowing on it, then it is having a connection with the wind, which why it doesn't surprise me that this is the energetic meaning of air. So examples this is going to show examples of transference of intention thought images environment through the medium of water and crystallized in ice so i've done this prolifically every day practically every day for 10 years so i have a lot of examples but 
This is one that many people that follow my work or have watched any of my podcasts have seen. This is the very first photograph I ever took that I explained earlier, which is the hand. So you can see that it looks slightly different than the other pictures you've just seen because this is a frozen solid sample. Um, so we'll get, come back to that one. So this one here is because I realized that water loved to pick up and design imagery and it picked up images and it loved to design in images, I started to play with people's photographs. So my friend Wendy here, she's become the face of water because this was the first face that water designed. So I put my Petri dish on top of her photo for 30 seconds, removed and let it crystallize into um, using my technique. And you can see the features of her face. But the next thing I, I'm about to show you is that I showed water this, the image that it has had designed, and I didn't show it this. So what's interesting is that it made a negative of itself, which is really, really remarkable. Okay, That's so we're crazy. The amazing imagery going on and a clear sense of observation. So um here are some other photos I've taken of people's faces, not just of photos of people, but also of, this is from a Roman coin. Um, this is from a sketch. Um, this is from a statue. And I overfroze this. So if we zoom in, you can see it's overfrozen, but you can still see the beard, the mouth, the eyes, and the hair. Now, my children have had a big impact, so that's why Biggie Smalls is here. Um, and this one, uh, someone sent it, me the photo of Sadhguru and said, can you please do Sadhguru? Now, if we zoom in, you can see his eye. This is the actual side of the Petri dish, so you can get some idea of size. This is the nose, and here we have the beard. So um, then we go on to anatomy. So here, my son is pointing at, at the water, and you can see clearly his finger and the nail is there. Over here, we have a thumb nail. I put my thumb in the water, removed it, froze it. What you might notice when we zoom in here is that there is a little chip at the end of the thumb, what was a uh, thumbnail. What was curious was that you can see it's not in my thumbnail here. Three hours after doing this, I chipped my nail in exactly the same place as this. So that was rather phenomenal um, and not the first time that that's happened. So here we have concepts of animals. So this dog sniffed the Petri dish of water and it designed its nose. Look how clear that is. Wow. And then <laughs> we have all these other examples here. This is a funny story. I went to a cafe and there was a dog bowl of water out for thirsty dogs and a schnauzer dog, someone had a schnauzer dog and it was drinking out of the water. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder what that water would look like. And I asked the lady, could I have a pet, like a takeaway cup of your water, please? Of like the dog bowl water. <laughs> and she was like, I guess so. It was crazy. I said, look, I'm a crystallographer. I'm doing this. Look at the photos. Don't think I'm completely nuts. But anyway, so I got some water. She gave me a takeaway cup, got some of the dog bowl water, literally drove straight home, poured some into a dish, and it designed this dog. What you'll be noticing as we're going along in these examples is that you're not seeing exact 
replicas you are seeing an artistic expression or kind of artistic design um, of the image or the influence or the inspiration now that's a very sophisticated thing what is not a photocopier water is an artist that's really something so these are very important ones because a lot of people think, oh, you know, I've, I've heard, I've heard it all. People are say to say, oh, you know, she just finds she she finds an image to match the picture, or she does this, or she does that, or people will find ways to try to prove it wrong, which is one of the reasons I say, please try it for yourself, because it's it's. But I would also suggest, don't go into this with a cynical mind, or you're not going to do very well. The best way to start this work is through curiosity and the best place to start is to just see what water will do without trying to do anything with it. Get to know it first, you know. I've developed a relationship over the years. It's taken time. Um, and so here we see, and, and why I brought that up is that here you can see I've used different things. I've put certain things in the dish of water or, or I've put the water on top of a, a, a design. And I, I have always have like two or three Petri dishes on the, my kitchen top because I do this using my regular freezer. And so I often use things that are handy. So here I've used put the butter knife on top of the dish but if we zoom in a little you'll notice that in the background there were these round coasters but they're also resemble uh, kind of shown here that water's designed them too so it's showing me that it doesn't just see what i tell it to it's showing me that there's aspects outside. Of yes well it's, it's outside the petri dish outside the petri dish and so that's what i in my beginners workshops you know there was a lady um and she saw, what was it that she saw? She saw something like a question mark. And she's like, you know, I don't know why I'm seeing the question mark. The water's in the freezer. We all could see it. But then when she closed her freezer, I could see her freezer in the back. And I said, well, have you looked at what's on your freezer? She had this giant big question mark sticker, um, which probably said question everything or something. But, you know, it was there. Oh. And so we were all like, oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, and here we have some consistency, right? So I use eggs in different examples, and we start to see the egg. Um, and here, here I put two eggs. If we just have a little zoom, we see two designs here. Um, this one looks like the eggs literally made an imprint. I take the eggs out. I do not leave them in there. If I left it in there, actually, it would look very different than this. Um, and here I've just played with different crystal, um, well, this one's organite, but different uh, crystal pyramids and consistently seeing um, the pyramid design. So I don't, it's not just me. This is actually work from other people and often children. In fact, probably most of these photos are, bits about, are from children that I'm going to show you except for this one. So you might be wondering why would somebody be using <laughs> nail clippers? That seems really random. Well, it is, it's not that they intentionally did. Um, this is John from John, some of John's work. I share his work a lot. He works with me um, and has been using my crystallographic method 
almost as much as me. Um, so he freezes outside he, when it's winter. He's in Utah. So rather than needing the use of a freezer, he's literally filming and taking photos of the water freezing in real time outside. So uh, this was this was right beside his Petri dish because he'd been cutting his nails outside. So the water picked up on the um, on the nail clippers. Now, this was from a boy who was obsessed with tarantulas. So he used a picture of a tarantula. And this was from a child who was studying big cats and was had chose to study lions and used that picture. Over here, this little girl, she had, I think this is her picture of her actual mouse, but um, she took the water from her little mouse cage and used the water from the mouse cage and got a little mouse. This is a little overfrozen, but you can still see the mouse. Um, and this story is a, a really good one. Um, this lady also works with me. This was one of the first pictures that someone, from someone who first used my technique. She, I think she was the first person to use my technique, maybe second person, sorry. So she lives in Slovenia. This is her dog, who's an Afghan dog. Her other dog had passed away and her dog whilst for an entire week um, was sick. So she was worried about her dog. So she had actually uh, shown the water a picture of tulips and water kind of ignored it and designed a picture of her dog. And so she was like contacting me and she said, why is it not showing me tulips? Why is it showing me my dog? And I said, well, what's going on with your dog? And she said, oh, my dog is sick and I've been worried about my dog for all week. And I said, well, that's because water doesn't do small talk. Water is far more interested in what you're feeling than mm. what you're thinking. So it designed that. These are more examples from other people. Again, mostly children. This one is from my daughter. Um, and my children have been, this is my daughter's picture. <laughs> and now this lady had a chicken coop so she got some water from her chicken coop this is a photo of her chicken's legs and she got this chicken's leg oh and i think the reason she saw that was because her chicken her one of her chickens had started like um trying to like get into the bird but like the feet the the water thing and was trying to stand in the water thing so there was a whole story about that this guy's got a completely overfrozen solid didn't know my technique well but shared it with me anyway and he had used the influence of this coin and what's interesting is that you can see the like a bullet hole in the back where he was killed you know it's so crazy oh my god it knew the outcome I know and so I like to share other people's work a lot because not only is it amazing to me, but it shows that it isn't just me. You know, this yeah. is a around the world thing. So this is about the power of words and the evolution of my hydroglyphs. I think it's really nice to see. So in some mythologies, spoken words are thought to be so powerful that they can create worlds, creatures, and human beings. And in Genesis, it says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it also says that the spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. So I've just done a whole three-day masterclass that's just gone based on what, what different religions, cultures, and ancient texts can teach us about water. We had people from all religions, from lots of indigenous cultures, and 
what was amazing is that we kept having this interweave of spirit and water. We kept seeing it and hearing it and all the creation stories and all the various different things that people shared. So I've observed that written and spoken words have an energy. And when that energy is exposed to water, it absorbs and translates it into a symbol or pictograph as it freezes. I very much like this quote by Manny P. Hall. When the human race learns to read the language of symbolism, a great veil will fall from the eyes of men. Okay, well, let's go. So when I use the word creation, here you can see what I've done. I try to keep these little bits of paper that I, that I use just so you can see what I do. <laughs> and um, the word conception. So water is literally formed into this open circle, which looks like an egg with a sperm inside. Rather remarkable. So what happens with artificial intelligence? I actually did this one about seven years ago. And it, it, it's really amazing. This very artificial rod thing with these wires in there and the circle thing, very unusual. Um, ego. Now I've tried to understand, you know, people say, oh, it's your thoughts or your imagery, your experience being project projecting into the water. Water can't have its own original ideas. Well, what happens when you use words you have no visual outcome, uh, like outcome for, for? So the word ego, I don't have an immediate thing that comes up in my mind as a picture. So when I used this word ego, it was really interesting because it designed this long neck, this big shoulders, this little face, and this big balloon head. And this picture could be, an, it's really art. It truly is, it, and many people could talk about this for a long time, particularly me, but I'll spare you that. <laughs> um, grief, you don't have a particular visual for grief. Maybe someone crying would be what I would automatically come up with. But here you have an image of a person with holes inside of them. Like that's a very complex. Um. Now you might think that these are the two say the same two the same picture. Just I've made a mistake here, but it's not. These are two different samples done by my husband. So he was using the word ayahuasca, the written word ayahuasca. He did this on two different days. Look how similar they are, and how large they are, and how much complexity there is. That's crazy. Amazing. One of the biggest issues that people have in water science in the scientific world is able to show any repeatability. We're seeing really incredible work here in this particular type of um, freezing. Now, free energy, again, another word that I don't necessarily have a particularly clear picture for. Free energy, well, I don't know. I mean, so water design, and I love this, you know, you see these emanating geometries, but it's also like a pyramid. It's very much like something Tesla might come out of Tesla's, you know, coil or something. Um, and here we see it repeated. And, you know, this is very interesting because you start to see a very complex pattern starting to repeat itself. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. So this is where we start getting re into the really interesting stuff too. So I had a ring 
uh, sorry, I'm looking at the ring thinking ring. I, I had a wedding invitation. I was, this was a few years ago now, and the Petri dish of water was sitting beside it. So I froze it and I'm like, I saw this ring and really, I mean, now you might see this looks like a bubble, right? Do you know, I have tried for 20, for not 20, for 10 years to capture bubbles. It is really hard to capture a bubble in the freezer because they always pop in the liquid stage. I've tried all kinds of crazy things to try to freeze bubbles and it is so hard. But this might be the only, maybe one more other thing where water's designed and actually somehow, I didn't even know, I wasn't even trying to get a bubble in this. It's really, really amazing. So it's designed like almost like the little diamond on top. So it was beside a um, wedding invitation that didn't have a picture of a ring, but it, the main word was um, wedding and marriage. The two, those were the two main words that were enlarged. So I thought maybe it, maybe what will happen if I write the word marriage. So I wrote the word marriage and again, see this ring appear. And this time it's like a little ruby in there. And, but the consistent part is the ring, right? Okay, so I did it a bunch more times. These are 64 examples of using the word ring. This is not random. Like, this is kind of what I'm trying to show. This is the real potency oh of, my God. Um, of the hydroglyphs. So I also then uh, was, as, as I've mentioned, I used music a lot. And so, and, and lots of genres, including Beyonce. And this, this song, which is called Single Ladies, the main catchy line is, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. So I saw this ring show up, and this is four times I've done this. And okay, and then I, and then my son, when he was a little bit younger, used to like to um, have a petri dish of water beside him on the couch whilst he watched a show. So for this one, it was Lord of the Rings, and so of course we see a ring. So now we know that the symbol represents both the word ring and the word marriage. So. This is the word for snow in Japanese, just so we're going into different languages. You know, it's not a written word like in, in English, um, and it looks like snow. Here, we've I've used the word pugio, which is Latin for dagger, and we've seen the word, we see the dagger appear. Here, I've written the word piar, so in Hindi, and it's designed to this heart. So I was like quite interested in that because this word love um, is an easy one to just write in English. So I wrote the word in English and I got a heart. And then I projected the feeling of love into the water and I got a heart. And then I did it a bunch more times. And so I kept seeing this heart. So again, we're starting to see consistency. Now, if you look here, L-O-B-E. And so this was, I imagined writing the word love in my mind right i focused on it it's, it's it's quite hard it takes time to really sort of see in your mind's eye a word and it's so quick to think a word but it's so hard it takes longer to really focus inside your mind's eye on the word and so i really got it clear and then i stared at the water for a few seconds and froze immediately 
and it's made an attempt to design the word love. So then uh, I wrote the word hi, and it's like, hi, okay, and then I said hi. And it's not that water only understands English. People always say that. It's just that the language that I speak. And so that's the connection. Again, we have people doing this with different languages. You know, so I'm just showing you what's been my experience. Now, this is a very powerful picture, this top one here, because when I asked water, like I told, I've mentioned that I ask questions, you know, I use different different influences or different inspirations um, as often as I can. So this one, I simply asked, do you know my name? This is how I write my initials. The fact that Water designed this in a new, almost like perfect way was like amazing to me. And I've done this, I've had this repeated. I just don't have it on this this one here, but I've I've seen it repeat. Now, down here is very interesting. It's a recent one I did. I have two Indian names. Both of them were given at birth. My middle name is Veda. My, my first name is Veda. My middle name is Karan, K-A-R-A-N. And um, when I asked Water if it knew my Indian names, you can see the V-K instead of the V-A. And over here, it looks very much like Hindi as well. So if anyone speaks Hindi, can kind of make anything out from that, please let me know. <laughs> Um, so I played the song Fly Me to the Moon, and you can clearly make out F-L-Y. So this was the Stairway to Heaven one that I talked about. Here we have these symbols of the stairway. So you just kind of have a little bit of context for that. Wow. Um, and here's another one just using the word. And here is, this is from the song Message in a Bottle by the police. So I saw this very interesting, it was quite large, this one, this very interesting shape, you know, with this frill and these things. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, you know, I, I, I played it several times, that song, and I, and I saw um, this sort of shape again and again and again. And then I thought, well, I, I wonder if that means message, right? So this was the design that happened after I got the message, um, wrote the word message. And here they are side by side. So you can see this cons consistency. There is the triangle, there is the stuff on the top, and there are the, the, um, the frills. So I did it 64 more times here. And um, what we've discovered, and oh. I have many, many more, is that there are tips about tips. So at the end here, you'll see this one's got a heart. Not all of them do. No, no, you can zoom in. This one's got a heart. This one looks maybe, no, looks like the makings of one. This one doesn't have any. This one doesn't have any. So some do and some don't. What we're starting to re realize is that if there's a heart at the tip of, a, of uh, the message glyph, we know it's a loving message or it's a message about love because we know that the heart represents the energy of the word love. So um, this is the change glyph. We know it also means winter. So these, I'm just going straight into showing you the, the, the examples now. And um, here we have the information glyph. We know this is the energy of the word information. Here we have the living glyph. Now this is a really, really important one because you might notice that this is the same as the signature pattern of spring water 
the reason I even chose the word living is because spring water is often referred to as living water. The idea, the word living water is used quite a lot, both religiously and in the uh, water community. So this is very interesting. So, so I used the word living and I kept seeing the living glyph. Now, I see it also with the word gratitude. So its most predominant meaning is living, but you might think the word death is there, and that's not a mistake. A person had reached out and said they'd been only given a few months to live. Can I ask what or what death looked like? So I did, but I kept seeing the living glyph. So I did it over and over and over again, more than 50 times. And of course, then I realized that water doesn't die. We use the word, we label water as dead water, if it's polluted or denatured or destructured. Some people say that tap water is the dead water, but that's not a truth. Actually, what's true is that water transitions from one stage to another. It isn't, it might be, be in a bad state, it might be polluted, but it will evaporate. So there is no such thing in the realm of water as death. Death is another word for life. It's a transition. And that is very clear throughout the work. Um, here we see the star glyph. Now, you, we know that this means light. We know it means guidance. And we know it means imagination. How do I know that? Because I've done that 150 times, 50 times for each one. Now, the coin glyph. Here we have... Um, a, a very clear, obvious design. The coin itself is very um, three-dimensional. It's very silvery. We know that it has, means the energy of the word money, but it also abundance, and abundance doesn't necessarily have anything to do with money. Um, but someone said, you know, why in Water's Wisdom would it want to do, show us anything about money? Isn't that the root of all evil? And I said, well, Firstly, if this is a language, we can't pick and choose the words we like, but also this is the energy of the word money, so it's an opportunity to look at what is your relationship with money and uh, what is your relationship with the energy of money. Do you even, have you ever thought about the energy of money before? Plus, we've been flicking coins into wishing wells for so long that we don't uh, even know, you know, how long we've been doing that. Um, so... I love this quote, art is a line around your thoughts. It's very relative for my work. So how is this working and what other references are there? And this is really interesting. Now I'm going to try to flow through this quickly because I do have something I need to be at in a bit of time. So um, one of the biggest things that the scientists outside of the water community will say is that water memory can't be real because water updates its information every trillionth, trillionth of a second. It is so fast moving in its liquid stage. How could it be even interested at all in anything anybody's got to say or show it? So when I was speaking to my friend Dave, who's a quantum physicist, he said, yes, water is in molecular chaos. He said, but there is a big difference between molecular chaos and molecular excitement. He said, when you connect with water, you are, through your conscious expression and intention, you are creating molecular excitement. You're excited about something. Well, the water is. 
So another very important part really quickly is that an indigenous woman was talking to me and she said she could speak to bees. She said that, um, I wonder if the next picture shows that. Yeah, great. So she said that uh, she would watch their hives for long periods of time and that a bee came out and communicated somehow to her and said, please don't watch our hive for so long because we um, we like our hive to be darker. Your conscious expression is putting too much light in the hive. So where we put our conscious expression is where we put our light. Now, as water's beginning to freeze, as it's just sending out these wee little shoots that look a bit like spears, Every now and then, if I open the fridge at the perfect time, I can photograph it and see light emanating out of the shoots. I actually think because water absorbs so many photons, which is light, it's actually a huge proportion of light and it uses the light. So it's light, I think, that paves the way for the design of the imagery. So if your conscious expression isn't very connected to it and you're very skeptical and you're putting a, you basically already have a barrier, an, an energetic barrier up, you're not able to transmit that, um, the information you want it to show because you're so skeptical to the water. So the water gets in a very confused energetic space and will often show confusion as opposed to clarity. So this is the work of Laurent Costa just as I mentioned him. So to just get an idea that this is seen through a microscope and this is to show other people's work, just to show some consistency that I'm, you know, that there, there are other people that have kind of got this, got imagery as well, or that show that water is storing information. Um, I think these are amazing. He has a book called Journey into the Heart of Water. Um, the, this scientific experiment was carried out by the Aerospace Institute in Germany. Um, they got a group of students who basically all obtained one drop of water from the same body of water all at the same time. And then they put those little drops um, onto uh, like a slide and they were able to see that these are the drops of one person, these are the drops of another these are the drops of another, and these are the drops of another. So the water has taken imp an impression of each person and given them their signature imprint consistently. This is a really, really important study that's been shown here. Now, of course, we can't not talk about Luc Montagnier. He was a genius. He sadly passed away last year. Um, and he won the Nobel Peace Prize for discovering AIDS. Very serious scientist, but sadly, when he started to share his findings about water, people didn't take him seriously, and he lost a lot of his reputation, but not with the water community. Not at all. He's a hero for us. Um, what he's showing here is remarkable. So basically, um, he shows a quantum imprint, a teleported quantum imprint. He has two um, test tubes of water. One has a solution of D with a DNA strand. And this one over here has no DNA in it whatsoever. They were put side by side um, uh, and just kind of neighboring, but physically detached <clears throat> and uh, were placed within a copper coil and subjected to a low frequency of seven hertz. 
One tube contained the fragment of DNA, the other one didn't. After 17 hours, the gene fragment was actually recovered from both tubes, even though one should have just contained water. Wow. So what is that saying just about being close to people? I mean, it's kind of next level and you, you kind of go down through a whole heap of um, rabbit holes with that one. But this is also really interesting for people that think, oh, well, what can I do? You know, it's like, oh, what, what, what influences my conscious expression or my loving heart really make? Well, it can make a difference even on robots. So this is an amazing study done by a man called Rene Pioc. Hopefully I'm saying his name correctly. I'm not sure that he did in 1986, where he used newly hatched chicks that, um, and especially made robot. So we introduced the newly hatch, hatched chicks to his little robot, and they bonded. That little robot is this little green thing over here. Um, and they bonded, and the chicks really loved it and wanted to be close to it. And the robot could drive itself around on wheels and it had a pen underneath to trace its path on a, on a paper. So it was placed on a piece of paper and there was like a, a barrier, like a wooden barrier thing you can see here that to stop it from like falling off the table. So it would just randomly go around making random patterns like this example here until the, um, the, the chicks really changed it with all their love. So basically what happened was when he put the robot in the center of the table and switched it on, it traced the random pattern. But when he put five, 15 little baby chickens who were already bonded to the robot in a small cage at one end of the table and put the robot in the center of the table and switched it on, rather than doing just random patterns, it moved to the um, area where the chicks were and stayed there. And these chicks just had this profound effect on the robot's movement. movement. Um, and he move, it moved towards the chickens and stayed at the end of the table closest to them. And he used non-bonded chickens in a cage and the robot traced a random pattern again. He also did it with rabbits. And he, well, the rabbits were afraid of it, so he, it stayed away from the rabbits. But at night, he put a candle on top of the robot, and the, the rabbits wanted the light so that they pulled it closer to them again. Really, really something, right? So now this is a guy I talk about a lot. I'm kind of infatuated with his work. <laughs> he, um, he, this was in the, um, I, I don't remember, like, I don't know, about 60 years or something ago, I guess. It must have been. So this is Gennady Krokolev. He's a, a Russian scientist, but he's also um, um, a psychiatrist. And he had been reading a magazine written even earlier ago about the idea that the retina of the eye transmits light, which can be photographed, and that photograph will show an impression of what the last thing that I saw. So I'm grateful I've been able to have a friend who speaks Russian and actually really, really dive into the complexities of what Gennady did. So he um, was working with psychiatric patients who were having visual hallucinations as well as um, were seeing, seeing things, basically. And he created this device here. So this is called a Zenith camera. 
this is this box thing here and he's made these goggles which are kind of like a scuba diving mask with no lens and that there's fitted to the camera lens I guess now he has another person working with him which you don't see but I've seen the video where they're asking the patient in a safe and kind environment you know what are you seeing here and the patient is telling them and so then he takes the photo and then he goes back and eventually they these were ones we had to develop in them in water and he developed and he would see and so he he took the photos and he was able to show that out of I think a hundred two he did it for 200 patients and 117 of them were able to confirm that the images that came out in the photos were in fact what they were seeing his work is really hard to find it's been like made um I'll show you it's been kind of uh, disappeared or made classified but here are three examples remembering that this is a completely dark uh, environment and only photographing the retina of the eye so here we see and what I now know this word says antlers so the patient was saying they were seeing something with antlers here we see a clear face and here we see this thing and it actually says snake here in Russian so this and he was repeated by more Russian scientists in the last um, 15, 15 years, I think. And so what they did, though, was actually use someone who could remote view. So instead of using a psychiatric patient, they set someone who could remote view, which so someone who can have a clear mental picture of something in their mind's eye. So the scientists would stand behind a wall holding up pictures like numbers and shapes and as she tuned in to what they were holding up then they would take the photo and here you can see the number one the triangle and they ended up putting a whole documentary together which was called something like thought is material and um and and they all tried it and all of them saw as long as they could hold a clear vision in their mind there was some emanation that came out of their eyes so there were two schools of thought one more popular than the other one was that um that the brain sends information to the retina of the eye that information is taken and then in a similar way to what water does translated into picture imagery which is projected out of the eyes like a hologram of which maybe some animals can see like dogs and cats but we can't yet but that can be picked up by the sensitive camera the second one not so popular but Genity was on board with it is that there might be a secondary layer of consciousness which is being picked up on and that people that are seeing things are seeing things are actually seeing things so uh, we don't really know at this point but it's very interesting um, again amazing uh, work here so this was an experiment done by a bunch of science very serious scientists what they did is that they got a living leaf and they dissected two pieces out of the leaf or three pieces out of the leaf then they used a high frequency electromagnetic field and rather than seeing the dissected part of the leaf it showed the entire leaf less the dissected parts so this was repeated and that image lasted about 10 to 15 seconds so the leaf that was dissected and actually looked at showed the entire leaf 
So this is often called phantom transference. So when somebody has um, an amputated arm, for example, they have a feeling of the entire arm. That's because we're mostly water. What oh. we're seeing here is that water understands and absorbs the potentials and has a memory recognition of the subtle body. And that's why we feel like we still have that phantom arm. And here we see it with a leaf. Um, this was a really interesting one I did with, with children. So often I'll go into schools and talk to children about a, a science. We do a science and art project. And so this was in my daughter's school, this particular one. And the children would sip some of the water that they were all given like bottles of water. And then they were to project a thought or something they liked into the water and write their name. I'd take all of the samples home and do the crystallography for them and then give the pictures back to the school. Um, often we, I wanted to do it in the school, but when you put lots and lots of, of, of samples in a freezer, it can take hours sometimes to freeze. It, it just doesn't work as well. So it was easier for me to do it that way. And so the next day my daughter was sick and she was already starting to feel a little bit off that night, which is why I didn't immediately do the crystallography. It actually was there for a week before I got to do it. When I came to it, I'd poured, I'd buy the, when I, what I do do when I get home, I pour it into all the cups. And so it's just there and I know whose is whose and it's all ready to go. What I noticed is that three of the, and three of the cups was mold had grown on the surface of the water. And one of them was my daughter's, which is this one here. But the mold had literally molded to the conscious expression of the child as to what they were thinking. My daughter was thinking of a happy face and had written it down on her little uh, bottle. And this child was thinking of a dragon. And so literally, but and the other child was thinking of a hippo, but I just haven't been able to find his picture yet. It's on the 40,000 pictures on my phone. But, um, but what was incredible is that all three of them were sick. So the teacher said, oh, that's interesting because those other two children were also unwell in a way. So the mold only grew in the bottles of the children who were sick. So this was really, really interesting. And yet the conscious expression had even affected the mold. Um, and then we have menstrual, you know, where the women are all kind of thinking like when they're living together, their periods sync up. Um, well, this is something that has been reported by millions of women over centuries. Um, and it also happens in rats, hamsters, chimpanzees and golden tamarins. But science still isn't on board with it because it's not found enough evidence to support it. But there is the suggestion that there is information transfer happening and that ties in with Luke Montenegro's work this idea that how do women get into sync like this like what's happening there um, and this has been my most powerful study of which I'll end with so I was interested to know you know uh, what do I think the most naturally informed water would be and I, I always think it's amniotic fluid, but I'm not able to easily get amniotic fluid. So I went to the next best thing, which was eggs. And I started to freeze the egg albumin, which is the a, a part of the egg white. There's, there's two 
waters in egg white. There is the liquid, there is a gloopy gelatinous part, which we're mostly familiar with. But if you carefully crack an egg, you're, and, and you'll notice a thin salivary-like part come out. When you freeze that, I've identified that there are six specific patterns that form in free-range happy hen eggs. I'm going to show you what they look like in a minute, but only two of those patterns can form in caged hen eggs. So here we see the difference between a free-range hen egg, which has been frozen within three days of being laid, and the caged hen egg after goodness knows how long it's been in the supermarket. So here are the six patterns that I've uh, named because I as far as I know, I'm the first person to have actually identified this. So it's kind of like, I guess I can. So I've just named them as to what they kind of look like for me. Now, the pollen and small star, they are the most rudimentary. These other four are the most complex. So this, these are two we would see in a free range, in a, sorry, in a caged hen egg. So I was thinking about Luke Montaneur's work. So I thought, well, what if I put a caged hen egg and sit it next to a free-range hen egg and leave them overnight. Will one influence the other? Now, I do controls for these. I also need to mention that I do controls also for my hydroglyphs. I use the same water, one with, exposed to a word and one without, and I put the two dishes in at the same time. So just so people know that, I need to add that in. Okay, so... This this was that was so that was my idea. Um, so I'm going to get to this particular slide in one second, but I'm just going to finish what I was saying. So I was like, oh, what will happen? So I already knew the, the very well the patterns of a free range egg. So I thought, well, will they go bad? You know, next to a cage ten egg, or will anything happen, or will nothing happen? So I left them overnight, did the crystallography, and what was interesting is that I observed that the free range stayed beautiful. But the cage 10 egg started to improve. There was another couple of complex patterns there. So I shared it on social media and people said, yeah, 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 that's cool. But what if you surround it by cage 10 eggs? It's going to go bad for sure, which is sadly how we sometimes think. So I did that and I did it twice. So the free range egg was in the center, surrounded it by cage 10 eggs. These are the two controls. So here you can see what the... Um, the cage tenors and here's the free range so this is the free range so you see those beautiful volcanoes but what you might notice is patterns that look very complex around it so there was healing by proximity these cage ten eggs had improved just by being beside the free range egg these cage ten eggs had improved but not as significantly now, I, when I did it again, here we have our, another two controls. And here we have, again, beautiful, what I would see in free-range hen egg. And then around it, a lot more complexity. Let's look. That was not as clear as I'd like it to be. Maybe I need to make it smaller. But you can see just how beautiful these are. And then around it, further away, improved, but not as much. So there is clear healing by proximity. So the conclusion of that, and these pictures are just showing how similar the, um, the egg albumin patterns are to things in nature. So this is the uh, albumin feathers 
and this is actual feathers. Again, this is sliced in half here. This is the album and this is the feathers. This is a limpet shell. This is the volcano pattern we see again here. This is star anise. Look how much it looks like that. This is horse hair. This is brain coral, sunflower, and more brain coral. This is actually in half. So this is top one is the ice. Bottom one is brain coral is coral so I think that nature is looking to improve rather than downgrade especially in its embryonic stage I also think that information transfer is possible because water is a type of liquid antenna and egg albumin is 90% water and given that none of these eggs were fertilized it's fascinating that perhaps information was still transferred to the caged eggs perhaps meaning that the potential for life was there from the beginning and I actually think that it's through the um, amniotic fluid that ancestral information is shared to the child or the embryo. And my personal takeaway from this is that given by molecular count, we're 99% water. If we heal ourselves, ourselves we, we heal others. So there's a lot there. Um, hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have like pages of notes. Um, I have just a couple comments and then I do have a question. Um, have you, well, first of all, have you studied Marcel Vogel? Because um, I have, I love yeah. him and I, I, I actually get people to go and look at his work. Okay, good. Cause yeah, just for those of you who are watching, um, go look into Vogel. Um, it's the way he cuts a certain crystal and he has created certain technology to be able to um put an image in a crystal like in the center of like a little crystal and it shoots up a holograph that is visual for people to see and that's that's kind of interesting because it's similar with the water but it's crystalline or crystal or I'm, I'm a big crystal person in general and it just goes with it as far as the structuring of it but and then see you i want to wanted to say that I thought it was really interesting that Emoto passed on Valentine's Day talking about love all you know just his big emphasis on love um and then too just coming from like a a person who who really loves like reading people like whether you know prophetically and or the collective of how much are we actually reading water instead of like literal thoughts or maybe the telepathic part is actually reading water versus reading a situation or a memory or you know or you know memory goes hand in hand because if memory is in water and we are memory and it's containing memory um yeah that's isn't that that's just something to think about too i, don't know. I, I can actually talk about that very specifically okay we, there is always water in the air. We don't think about it because we don't see it, but the fact that we breathe out means there's water in, our, in the air. That water in the air is very attracted to electrical charge. We have electrical charge, so that heart math can obviously read. It's not woo-woo at all. And some electrical charge can go very, very far out. Now, that basically is giving us a liquid antenna, the water in the air, if you imagine kind of like a spider web with lots of little beads of dew, it's like we have this incredible web um, all around us and that ex absolutely ties in with our intuition. So that's how we can go into a room and we feel the energy that was last there because heavy energy is more dense and lasts longer there. And it is really, we can feel it. 
It's how when we meet someone, we have an immediate liking for them or we feel so familiar with them. It's because the patterns that we are putting out, because everyone's pattern will be different. Our electrical charge is moving. But if our patterns are similar, we have an immediate liking for them. If our patterns are very different, we have a very kind of different feeling for them. And so it's more like, you know, we have this idea of twin flames. It's more like twin patterns. And so we can literally use, we when we do it without even thinking, the water in the air is literally feeling all the time into the energies in the room and the air or wherever. But we can also put our own energies out that others can read. And so I think it's extremely important to know that these subtle energies that we talk about are actually because of water. And then you think about hydrogen, which is the most prevalent thing in the whole universe, and hydro uh, is water and gen is genesis. So uh, hydrogen is like the creator of water. And then my friend Isabel Friend, that's her last name, is Friend, she says that hydrogen is the spirit of water and that uh, plasma is the mind of water and that the water, physical liquid water is like the body. So there's a lot going on there. My friend, um, someone said to me, what if water is expressing its consciousness through us and every living thing to observe itself from every perceivable and imperceivable perspective? Wow. And Moses, he says, water is the glove on the hand of consciousness. Wow. Yeah, well, I was going to go there too with animals because I, I foster animals on, on my side job, whatever. Um, and, the, you know, animal communicators. And I've always felt like I knew like that they're hungry or they're not feeling well or that they want to go outside without saying anything it's just like I just have I just have this feeling like I know what they want and I'm usually right and um so anyway that was just another thing um uh biofeedback we do remote biofeedback and you can capture you know whatever in in the aura in the field and now I'm really getting that this is just water in the air again. So we're just keep on, you know, going back to that. Um, uh, two things that I was thinking about or asking, wanted to ask about is when you mentioned people who were angry or frustrated, or even in your work, when you were trying to do things and you had that frustration, what do you think it is that stops the ability um, for things to come through or to, uh, to measure or, or what have you? Is it the constriction or is it? It's because of what, what happens to water. It's quite interesting. Really, um, real true true frustration and anger. Water tends to compact upon itself. So normally I have a very, very, very thin, it's only millimeters thick, um, maybe two millimeters thick of ice. So light comes through, which is why there's so many colors in my work. Now what's interesting through that emotion, what I've experienced is that it's almost like water has the ice is thickened and darkened. So something, it, it's like it gets, there's a confusion or it has an impact on it where it just kind of, it's like doesn't design. So it's whenever water thickens, it's harder for it to design. It's almost like it's gone into that immediate last stage rather than going through both stages. So, um, but when I'm sad, 
water behaves very differently. If I'm genuinely sad, not trying to project the feeling of sad, um, water will often design sad faces. So it's like it sees me. It's very compassionate. I always feel like I've got a friend, but I do feel like I have a spiritual teacher because it's teaching me that it will not work yeah. with me in those other kinds of energies. That's interesting. So, um, yeah. I, I was just going to say with biofeedback, when we do, we do evox through the voice and then we do the field. And then I have a ton of different gadgets and frequency devices that structure water and zappers and different things like that. But um, with biofeedback, if let's say a wife wants their husband to get biofeedback or their kid and they're, they're saying on the outside, they'll do it. But really on the inside, they're like, you know, crossing their arms and um, they don't say that to me, but, you know, just through the image and then it goes through the software and they will not only their output not be as high and as well received for me to even um, do reports or be, have diagnostics, but um, then we customize frequencies to go back to the person to harmonize where maybe things are, are not in harmony and their reception ability is way low as well. So I may have someone in a 30 to 40% reception and it shows at the end, like how much did you align more? How much did you receive? You know, uh, how much more in harmony are you? Blah, blah, blah. And someone who really doesn't want to do it may be like 5% or 4% or 17% where someone else who's very receptive and just like not even really needing to know how it works, they can get like a 60% and they'll just suck in the energies and they're really open and diagnostic. And so um, that's just interesting too. But going back to the structured water with some of the devices we have for that, um, we have found that it they test better in blue glass and yeah. people constantly ask me, well, why does it have to be in glass? And the other question is why the blue glass? I know you're using um, the same ones. I have the flower of, I, I'm a big fan. I'd love to know what this structure situation is, but I have the blue um, bottle that you do with the Ho'oponopono and then I have the blue glass and that's how I structure and drink it. And I, what, do, what do you think? You said at the beginning, something about the silica helps to store the structure but um uh, but the, the beauty of the blue glass is that the the color blue when light shines through it so one of the things that you make with blue glass bottles is blue solar water so it's been the only times i would ever suggest putting water in the sunshine because water is very very sensitive to light especially um, artificial light so um, people wonder why their water spring water is not happy as if it's been sitting like on a supermarket shelf it's been exposed to, to that kind of light um, usually in a clear glass bottle but if you put the blue glass water in a blue glass bottle and leave it in the sunshine for even an hour two hours three hours i I tend to just do half an hour and bring it in. It's actually can be used for people that have been through trauma. So that water then is enabled to kind of act as a cleanser for the body to help clear away traumatic thoughts that have been going round and round and round in the body or from actual like an accident. I suggest a woman rang me, um, a naturopath, I think too. And she said, look, I've just got this client. If she's in hospital now she's been in a terrible car accident she's really high stress 
really high panic. What can I do? And I, I just said, get the best spring water you can, put it into the blue bottle, put it into the sunshine, let her slowly drink it. And she improved so much so uh, that, it, that the doctors made a comment on like, wow, she's improved significantly more over this last 24 hour period than we expected. And so it's it's actually, it, it enables the water to have a specific purpose. There's a connection with water and sun. Light's such a big one, but it's like the connection between the hydrogen father, you know, and this fluid mother. And it is, enables the water to go in and just absolutely cleanse away the, the, the traumas. And so that's what the blue glass is really potent for. I've done crystallography of putting water in a blue glass bottle. And so I take the tap water, put it in the blue glass, put it into the sunshine, then do the crystallography. And I've seen quite dramatic changes, improvements in the, in the structures. So um, we know it makes a really big difference. The color blue was the very last color people could actually see. So people were not, and, and it's interesting because there's a tribe with the Himba or Nimba tribe, I remember which one, in Africa that don't have a word for blue, therefore they can't see it. They're given ah. a color and the, the color blue is there, but they can't see it because they don't have a word for it. So that's really interesting. Um, so the color blue is very, makes the water, can sometimes make the water more slightly on a very minute level, slightly more alkaline. When you put water in a red glass bottle and leave it overnight, what we found is that when you're testing the pH, the pH will go down. The red light tends to make water more acidic, whereas oh. the blue light tends to make the water slightly more alkaline. And so there are significant differences as the way that water processes light and blocked blocks of light so um there's yeah there's a lot there and why did you say glass instead of plastic just for my so many, so many reasons um crystallographically there is a huge difference between water that's been in plastic and glass you can see the difference straight away um there have been studies done scientific studies done where they've been able to prove that water that's held in glass starts to build exclusion zone so it's that fourth phase healthy water that we have in our cells that we talked about at the very beginning it um, it's got a negative charge which might be one of the most healthy things that we can have for us and that water acts like a battery it pushes out solates creating a negative charge so the solates that are pushed out creates a positive charge the site the but the area where the actual exclusion zone is creates a negative charge and that's why walking barefoot on the ground at the beach is like super good like on grass because the earth is negatively charged it goes up through your feet so glass helps build this fourth phase water which is very very good for us it's more of a plasma right and it, it means that it can also absorb more light so that's a really important thing Whereas plastic bottles don't form that exclusion zone at all. They're generally clear, which allow all the light to come through, which we don't want because water doesn't like that. And it will start to degrade its structures. Uh, yeah. And plus then, of course, all the things that 
are in plastic. So right. we have we chemicals have and hormones, estrogens, all that. Yeah. You twist the cap. They've there is quite a lot of evidence to say that twisting the cap on a plastic bottle puts tiny micros microspheres of plastic into the water just by yes. twisting. And we're definitely dealing with like really high levels of estrogen more than ever, ever, ever. And people think, you know, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, they're in, they're being toted maybe across the country and a hot 18 wheeler, you know, back of an 18 wheeler wherever and versus, you know, just getting something local and spring and, you know. I always say, if you can, if you can find a, this a website could find a spring, it helps you find a spring to your local area. But if you can go and have like collect your own spring water, that's, that's the dream. If you can do that, I'm so grateful I can do that because it builds a connection between you and the water and where the water came from. It's kind of like, uh, we can easily go to a supermarket and be very disconnected with the food that we buy. Yes. Whereas um, it's really nice to be able to know where your water's coming from. Yes. Yep. Just like food and everything else. And yes. And I know you are like short on time and you went way over and I appreciate you so much. And um, where can people find you? I mentioned the Instagram. I know you're on Facebook. You know, please give anything you've got coming up or I know you do workshops at different times just so people can connect with you further. Course. Yep. The website's my name, vadaaustin.com. Instagram's vadaaustin underscore water. I think Facebook is vadaaustin at water researcher. I think that's that's all of them. Uh, coming up, um, I have beginners workshops each month. Um, they do book out quickly though. So if there are any spaces left, um, I think there's one very early in July coming up. And I have, keep them small so I can actually help we interact like everybody does the crystallography I help you get it right you know all that it's actually um there's there's quite a lot in that um I've just agreed uh to to um to do a question and answer class which I've never done which I think would be really good with my friend Isabel Friend who's just a science whiz but she she's also very very deep in the idea of water and spirit and all kinds of so she's brilliant so i thought between the both of us we'll have a very inexpensive uh, zoom workshop where people essentially just ask questions and we answer as many questions as we can for two hours awesome. and so that i think we're going to have that august the second for you third for me uh, that'll be on my website soon and then I'm also about to put another workshop, uh, masterclass, sorry, up. So I have two or three masterclasses a year and have different topics. So at the very end, on December the 2nd for you, 3rd for me, um, we're doing one where I, which is all about natural healing, health, hydration, and uh, beauty natural beauty inside and out beauty so we have incredible doctors that i'm inspiring to speak and i'll be speaking about my healing experience with water and all kinds of stuff um so that that's coming up and other than that people can go there get my technique you know learn all about it if you don't have enough money i mean it's not expensive it's 30 dollars. but if you're really doing it rough and you're 
trying to save, then if you type in the word blessing to get my how-to guide, my CMP guide, then um, <clears throat> then then that'll be free for you. So um, yeah, there's something on my website for everybody. I just did one for homeschooling parents as well. That's amazing. I love that you're teaching the kids too. So um, well, thank you again. And um, you have a beautiful day. And all of you guys who are watching, Thank you so much for being with us today. And I do really strongly encourage you. Um, I bought her master's class. I haven't jumped into it yet. And I've seen a few of the things, but I, it's three solid day. It's a lot. So it's really, really informative and um, look forward to do your, your um, intro. And um, yeah, I mean, you guys are going to love it. So definitely check that out. She's got a ton of images on her Instagram. If you're looking for visuals similar to what we saw here. Um, but otherwise, definitely go to swiftfire.org, drshornell.com if you're interested in getting any biofeedback or some help um, support for your own health. We have our my books there uh, and all my classes there as well and our YouTube channel and all the, the shows that we've done in the past and all the ones coming up in case you're looking to see what's going on here. But love you guys so much. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Miss Veda. We love you. You're awesome. We love your work. I'm just... Thank you for putting so much time and dedication into all of this, because this really, truly shifts the world. Like, and I mean that literally, and um, I think we all know that. And so it's just wonderful that you've taken all of this and just made it so affordable and available and just so much time and effort just free for a lot of things that you've been doing too as well and um so i do hope that the people who are watching they that they will give and support so she can keep doing this um because you know we're all busy and doing stuff and we can't just give everything away free all the time so um, a little bit of an investment to help support her i think is really really worth what you get so um, check all that out and you guys have a great day and appreciate y'all so much. And we'll talk soon. See you next Thursday at noon. All right. Bye-bye.